Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of Pod People's Podcast for people who make podcasts. I'm Tyler Green, your host and the head of community here at Pod People. On today's episode, our CEO, Rachel King, talks to Jeff Umbro, who is the CEO of The Podglomerate, a podcast production, distribution, and monetization company. Jeff knows pretty much everything about podcasting, and so who better to help us make some connections between the audiobook and podcasting worlds? Just a heads up, Rachel mentions someone named Courtney Holt in the conversation. He's the head of studio and video at Spotify. And Jeff mentions the amazing rom-com pods near the end of the chat. That is Rachel's fiction podcast, which incidentally is also one of my top three shows. And I'm not just saying that because she's my boss. It is so fucking good. We join their conversation as Rachel digs into Amazon's more recent ventures into the wild world of podcasting. One of the most interesting things that has happened recently is obviously Amazon Music getting into the game in a real way. And I've been interested, and I'm sure you're interested to see how Spotify is going to respond to that. And shortly after that announcement came, suddenly Spotify announced that they are going to be doing these like celebrity read version of public domain books like Frankenstein and such. And I thought that was so interesting because as we all know, Audible is a part of Amazon Music and you can listen to free podcasts on Audible now as part of Amazon Music. In addition to, if you have the membership, all of their originals, which they've been doing for a while, but are really ramping up now. And so to me, I'm curious what you think about this, but to me, Spotify announcing audiobooks, I mean, the timing was so close, it couldn't have been an intentional response, but it feels like a little bit of a response. Yeah. And just to clarify, Audible and Amazon Music are, I think, like very separate entities within they like are the- in organization. Yeah, yeah. Within like the octopus of Amazon. At this point, I don't even really know like what the- different subscription models are because there are so many different ones. You have like Amazon Prime, you have Audible, you have Amazon Music, you have like the light and heavy versions of each, you have Amazon Prime Video. But yeah, I mean, I've actually been hearing rumblings of this for years with like various industry partners, but the big thing that people like always forget about in the podcast space is that the audiobook industry is this like giant huge giant industry in the world i think it's 18 billion dollars annually and the entire ad market in podcasting right now is like under a billion dollars it was supposed to hit a billion last year and then pandemic yeah so this is this thing that's like you know almost 20 times the size that's just sitting there in the corner and it's almost entirely owned by just a few different entities within like the book publishing space in the past there's like all kinds of weird rights issues when you sell a book like the publisher will typically get you know the print rights the digital rights the audio rights but in the last 20 years as these pieces have kind of become more consumer oriented a lot of the agents are really focused on separating those things which is why we're seeing a lot of like experimentation in the space mm-hmm. with spotify and the public domain stuff i mean i think they just don't want to tread yet or at least publicly tread yet into like the publishing space because I mean there's so much history here with like the 
iBooks antitrust case with eBooks yeah. and, and everything. So I assume that that's part of why they're doing only public domain so far. Yeah, it's interesting, though, because I once heard Courtney Holt speak, and he said that the reason they figured out that they should be doing podcasts at all on Spotify was because in Germany— mm-hmm. German people started listening to audiobooks and that made them think about spoken word. And then they realized, oh, that's this entire like free bit of content that we can use to keep people on the platform and pull more people in. Yeah. And that's like a, a weird backwards version of what we're seeing today with like Wondery is putting out podcasts in different countries and different languages and everything. The international rights in book publishing have always been, well, at least in the last like 10 or 20 years, have been like forward facing especially with like the Chinese market, for example, you have these monster publications like the Chinese Game of Thrones, for example, had just never Mm -hmm. been translated to English and vice versa. So there's very little work, like a finite amount of work that needs to go into these things to translate them and like bring them into different markets. I always thought it was really funny how the German or audiobook market is what kind of spurred this because, I mean, you can look at it in two ways. Like one, that's a great example. And two, maybe not, because everybody listens differently all over the world. Nick has made this case, Nick Kwa has made this case that what Luminary was trying to do, like put up the paywall for premium content and not have free. I guess now Audible does kind of have a freemium version with Amazon Music being podcasts. But his point was that like Audible has always been the original one trying to do completely paywalled content. Yeah, it's a weird uh, kind of distinction to make because Audible has so many different pieces to it. And you also have to put Stitcher Premium into that conversation. Right. But they always had a freemium yeah, model absolutely. too. Yeah. yeah. With Audible, it's strange because they've always... So Audible started 20 years ago and Amazon bought them a few years in. And Audible has always... Their kind of value add has been like, this is a place that you can get any audiobook in the world on your phone with a very easy approach. So it's it's mostly been audiobooks up until like four or five years ago when they started doing podcasts. And it's been like through a couple iterations of what they're doing on the podcast side. So, I mean, in one sense, yes, like this is a place that you can go and you can like pay for really high quality audio content. On the other, I think it's a little bit of a weird distinction to make because there's just so many random pieces here. You have like the audiobooks, you have the podcast, which they used to put out under what they call their channels banner. I don't even know where what they're putting it under now. Mm-hmm. So you get like both this a la carte version with the podcast, but you're still paying like a credit system to get an actual audiobook. So yeah, it, it, it's, uh, I don't know. I'm kind of jumbling my thoughts here, but in one sense, yes, this is like the original luminary in another it's kind of like its own entirely different beast how do you see audiobooks changing recently i mean i feel like i've noticed an uptick in production value and we're seeing more and more that have a cast as opposed to just one narrator like daisy jones in the six i think was the first one that really broke through the mainstream i don't know i don't think they were the first to do it but it was the first one that i heard like everyone talking about because it had a whole cast so then i listened to it though and i thought coming from the world of fiction podcasts i thought it was really underdone i'm like where's the sound design you know what trends do you see happening in audiobooks in terms of content yeah it's so funny i'm actually not familiar with daisy six the first big one that i noticed and not to say that there weren't big ones before but like i just didn't notice them was george saunders and 
Lincoln and the Bardo, mm-hmm. which I think was like 2016 or 17. He had a cast of over 100 people, mostly celebrities, oh, wow. who were reading each section. And it was like Lena Dunham and, and a bunch of other people who, you know, you've heard of who I can't reference on the spot. Yeah. I had the same experience where like I was so excited to listen and it just wasn't that good. It didn't compare to what I had been hearing about in the podcast space, in the fiction mm-hmm. universe and otherwise. And then you have Audible launching a few years back, some of the stuff that they were doing with the originals with Michael Lewis and that kind of thing. More recently, you have a few really unique ways that people are doing this, like Pushkin. They put out an audiobook version of Malcolm Gladwell's last book that was basically just like another version of revisionist history. And they have started producing actual original audiobooks, like the yeah, Fauci one. I'm excited for this. I can't wait to see what they do because they're all brilliant. Every single person on that team and they mm-hmm. have all of the right connections. And they've even brought in a bunch of people from the former audiobook space. Yeah. And they're doing a really interesting thing with like the pay structure on that, where they're basically releasing, or at least one of the books that they recently released was a version of basically like a premium podcast feed. So you pay, I think, 99 cents to access it. And the ebook is act or the audiobook is actually delivered through the RSS feed. Oh, that's so interesting. Because I feel like what they're doing is a true mashup isn't the right word, but like they have such expertise from both worlds. And I think they're bringing the innovation of podcasting to the, you know, old stodgy industry of all 20 years of audiobooks. Yeah. Bill Simmons had this book back in the day called The Book of Basketball, which was kind of like the Bible of the NBA. Every chapter was like one of the top 100 players of all time. I think it came out in 2007. I'm probably getting that wrong, but it was like a decade ago. And now he wanted to do an update to the book. So he just released a podcast where every episode is like a different player from the last 10 years. And he called it the book of basketball. And in the introduction to the podcast, he talks about how like this is a better use of his time and a better way to do like the second volume of this thing. And he didn't rule out republishing a print book in the future, but it's very clear that this is an extension of the original book. This I would not call like a companion podcast, although that's definitely a thing as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is a really interesting way to go about it, especially with somebody who has that kind of following, because then you can monetize the audiobook the same way that you like monetize a podcast. And in theory, I mean, you could probably make quite a bit of money doing that, Yeah, which for authors is a great thing. And it's evergreen, like, you know, most narrative content where like you could come to it at any point in time and want to listen to it. Yeah. I mean, not everything that's going to be published will be, but I do think that we're going to be seeing a lot more experimentation just like this and I'm all for it. And then you see, I think the Gernert company is like a literary agency that just hired somebody who's in charge of like podcasting for authors. So like we're seeing a lot more people pay a lot more attention to this. And I can't wait to see what comes of it. I don't know the answer to that. But like if you look at where audiobooks were 10 or 15 years ago, you were still going to buy CDs to like put into your like your player at home. I remember my parents getting the first, it was the cassette where like there's 20 cassettes yep. in a thing. Right. And then it was CDs where there's like, I think CDs actually hold less than cassettes. So I, I don't know, whatever, a zillion different CDs, but I'm also so glad that we're moving away from, I hope podcasts as a vehicle for people to promote their book. Like how many times you see an author who's like, Oh, I've got a book coming out. Guess I better start a podcast real quick. And that just does not work. 
I would push back on that a little bit and say that it depends on who and how. Who and how and when. Yes. Because the thing, they always do it like two weeks before the book is coming out. And I'm like, this could have been fantastic, but too little too late. But yeah, if you start a year ahead of time because you're being smart about it and you choose something that's truly supplementary to or complementary to the book, then absolutely it can be done well. Yeah. But that's not the way I see it executed. Oh, no. And, you know, 99% of the time it's a very clearly like a novelty so that they can try and get the word out because, you know, they read an article somewhere saying podcasts can move book sales. Right. Now we're going to shift gears in the conversation as Rachel moves to crystal ball predictions. Specifically, she asked Jeff if he thinks audiobooks and podcasts will intersect and become one, or if he thinks they will stay in their own little corners of the universe. I don't think that we're ever going to get to a point where somebody's going to look at an audiobook or a podcast and like think of it as the same kind of media type as one another. I do think that they'll be distinct, if for no other reason than book publishers want to maintain the facade that this is a like really exceptional piece of content that you guys should pay for. Not a facade, I shouldn't say that, but like they have, keep that impression, yeah. yeah, or perception. They have a lot to lose if that were to change. Yeah. And you see like a lot of publishers do have like audio companion departments, like Macmillan does a lot of really amazing stuff in the space. Mm-hmm. Penguin Random House has done like some pretty interesting experiments. Years ago, they had Pineapple Street make a podcast called Julia or Julie. I'm sorry. I sc- oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm probably screwing it up. It's one of the two, and I'm sorry for not knowing offhand. But it was a companion to a book that they published. Now I'm getting mixed up with the movie Julie and Julia, which is a completely different <laughs> thing. But yeah, I remember that. And I remember thinking, oh, that's so smart because that is... Like, it just shouldn't be a carbon copy of whatever content is coming, right? It needs to be, like, truly supplementary. I felt like Ronan Farrow's podcast was a really good complement to his book. And you really got to hear the actual voices. Listening to Ashley Judd actually speak her mind and hear her voice was incredible. Yeah, it's really cool to see. And I think that there's a lot of people who are doing really interesting things here. Macmillan did something called Girls, which was like a companion podcast to a book they put out that took place from the perception of one of the characters in the book. Box has done something very similar. Box is actually a platform that's pretty interesting where they are doing, it's a TV writer's room style serialized piece of fiction that's published as an audiobook and ebook bundle through an app that they're also putting out on other platforms. They're doing a lot of really interesting, cool things, and it's like definitely worth checking out if you're ever interested. But one of the things that they're doing is creating like additional IP within these existing universes. So they're doing a bunch mm-hmm. of stuff with Marvel, Orphan Black, DC. That's so cool. Yeah, and it, it becomes like its own little community or ecosystem where you can like really expand on the way that you're watching or listening or reading these things. So I think there's a lot of stuff like that that's going to keep on kind of pushing the boundaries. I think there's a lot of really unique things that we're going to be seeing more of. I think more people are going to be doing similar stuff to what Autumn is doing with the New York Times. Yeah. And I just think more people are going to continue to realize that the audiobook industry is a massive industry and can really offset a lot of the costs that these production houses are, are like racking up. So I think we're going to see a lot more collaborations between publishers and other production houses. This was really cool because I just don't think, 
I don't know. I don't think people are talking about audiobooks enough. I don't think they're talking about, I mean, I'm also saying this as a maker of fiction podcasts. So I find it really interesting. And I think there's so far for them to go. And because as you said, it is a really huge industry in terms of money. Yeah. And I should also note, because Rom-Com Pause is amazing and everybody should listen. Ah, uh, thank you. But I think there's also going to become like a cottage industry of people who are creating like really great fiction podcasts with a big dedicated audience that can then transition that to an ebook, a print book or whatever else is out there. I think it's going to work both ways. Yeah. And that's why you're seeing these like podcast agents pop up at literary agencies. It's going to be wild, like everything in audio. I can't wait to see where it goes. Can you tell our people, because we have a lot of audio producers, obviously, in the community who I feel like constantly have clients who need help doing the marketing and the promotion for their shows, and even themselves. Like, I'm sure you have lots of resources for people who want to grow their indie shows. So I want to make sure they can get in touch with you, find your resources. What's the best way for them to to find those, to get in touch. Yeah, thank you. You can find us at thepodglomerate, T-H-E-P-O-D-G-L-O-M-E-R-A-T-E.com. I love the name, but I wish that I had made it shorter. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Or you can Google The Podglomerate. You can also email us at listen at thepodglomerate.com. Happy to field any questions, point anybody in the right direction. We do specialize in running these full-service marketing campaigns for big brands and, and companies and production houses. And I'd be happy to chat with anybody about how we can help grow your audiences. You can also find me at Podcast Perspective on LinkedIn yeah. or on any social media. Just search my name. Awesome. This is a vetted recommendation as well. We have brought Jeff and his team in to help us with many of our own shows and they always turn it out. That was an awesome conversation. I'm left with a few questions. Is Amazon changing the free game? Are fiction podcasts the new audiobooks? Are podcast agents going to actually be a thing? Anything is possible. Thank you so much, Rachel and Jeff, for taking us through content creation and where our little worlds might be heading. On next week's episode of Pod People's Podcast for people who make podcasts, I never get tired of saying that, we are spotlighting another fantastic community member. If you've been on Clubhouse lately, you might know her name, Esprit Devora. I believe podcasting is like painting audio. Podcasting is my art form. It's my way to connect others and to really champion people. The Pod People team is Rachel King, Ann Fuse, Matt Saff, me, Tyler Green, Danielle Roth, Sammy Reed, Isabel Genius, Ashton Carter, Alexa Brooks Major, Devin Wilson, Priscilla Verlin, Madison Lusby, and Erica Wong. This podcast is edited by Katie Cloxon and mixed and engineered by Erica Wong. Have you seen our Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn? No? Head on over there. And don't forget to join the Pod People Facebook group at facebook.com slash podppl. And all the links and anything mentioned in the show are linked in our show notes. Think Pod People sounds pretty cool and you want to join our community? Go to podpeople.com slash producers and fill out our intake survey. It's all free, just takes a few minutes of your time. Remember, we're always just an email away at hello at podpeople.com. Some of my favorite emails I read all week are from folks like you. See you next week. Last question. Is that a tiny Danny DeVito behind you? <laughs> that is a tiny Danny DeVito. Well, I kind of forgot that it was there. I love it. I got a new computer that had like a much wider frame and he just suddenly started appearing in my Zoom calls. <laughs> <laughs>